Scott here for another show of Casey Greats. I'm very fortunate this week to talk to a friend of mine that has been very busy the last few weeks. Uh, his name's Jonathan Tasler, and he's going to introduce us to some really unique and essential stuff for the American political process that goes down right here out of Kansas City. And Jonathan is the uh, president of a company here called Air Charter Team. So, Jonathan? Welcome, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks, Scott. Appreciate this, uh, it. This is fascinating to me. So, if you don't mind, um, start off by, by telling us kind of what do you guys do here? Yeah, so uh, Air Charter Team is a, uh, a small boutique charter coordinating company. We don't own the planes, we don't hire the pilots, but when People, companies, corporations, and oftentimes political campaigns need an aircraft. They know to call us, and we set up the right plane for what they want to do. Okay. And you guys have, it seems from the uh, aircraft models I'm looking at here in the boardroom, you've been pretty successful with that because I'm seeing 2000, uh, 2012, 2008, 2016. And 2004. And, and 2004. So pretty much every major campaign for many years. That That's correct. That's so yeah, we've, we've cool. been doing uh, political political campaigns. Well, I have since 1999 with the Bush-Cheney campaign. Uh, but my, my father precedes me uh, by quite a bit. Um, and he had, I think his first campaign was Bush-Quail back in... Was that 80? Eighty-eight, ninety-eight. Yeah, so way ago. way back. So that was uh, his first foray into it, and and uh, you know, luckily he was able to teach me a lot of uh, what he knows, and and so here we are. Very cool. So it sounds like that's probably the origin of the company, then, right? Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. He um, the origin of the company is my father had worked with Continental Airlines for many many years. Um, he has. Uh, he worked down here at the downtown airport. Very cool. And he's got some photos from 1965. Uh, I posted them recently to a Kansas City uh, Facebook page that, uh, that many people may not know, but there was a Boeing 707 that came in to land, and it landed too long on the runway with a tailwind. And it, I mean, nobody died in this crash, but Thankfully. he's but it was broken in several pieces. So, um, so anyways, he's been in the aviation industry for a long time with Continental Airlines. And um, in the mid-80s, though, uh, like, uh, he, he had progressed to be the head of charter sales of Continental Airlines, uh, managing athletic charters, college football teams, military, that sort of thing. And um, there were some ownership uh, changes in Continental, mm -hmm. and he was let go at one point. And oh, okay. uh, at that time, another company... Had um, you know there was no charter brokers back then, and but they knew of my dad, and they needed that kind of um, uh, gravitas to to bring into their company to show that they were legitimate. So he he started working for this other company, and uh, that's how he kind of broke into it. Interesting niche. I'm guessing the personal relationships that he had built over the years were probably pretty important with with you know. Retaining and adding business. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. He, all those relationships he had um, as head of Continental Charter Sales were key to him being successful Excellent. with this new charter broker. So, 
Uh, yeah, ab- absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I know I'm probably skipping a few parts here. I, um, you know, I, I didn't grow up, um, you know, wanting to be uh, in aviation necessarily. I, I mean, I always had an affliction for it, but uh, my degree was in finance. And I, I, okay. I, when I graduated, I was a naval auditor. So we, you wow. know, we, I worked for the Department of Navy checking out programs and systems and uh, through one thing or another uh, that, uh, you know, didn't satisfy me. And it wasn't, um, you know, I, di- I didn't, I didn't enjoy going to work every day doing that. And uh, so my dad and I hatched this idea where I would you know, leave that job and come out here and we would start something new in the late nineties. And, um, you know, it was not, it was not always easy. And, and in fact, we, Thought about hanging it up a few times there, but um, you know, through networking and a, a few lucky breaks here and there, um, things really panned out. Well, sound yeah, it sounds like at some point you guys made it over the hump. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah we did. I mean, that that first campaign in '99. Uh, well, you talked about networking. Um, the reason we uh, got a shot there in many ways is because my dad had worked earlier on the Bush Quail campaign. Okay. Fast forward to 99, that's Bush Cheney and those same people that my dad knew from the previous campaign uh, were helping coordinate and line that up. So that was our, our foot in the door. Sounds like a pretty closed community as far as individuals that are that are structuring campaign, not necessarily the strategy stuff, but the logistics of it. You know, somebody gets good at it, do it for a lot of years. Uh, yeah, it, it, it is a very small world of people who know um, all the intricacies of a campaign, a political campaign, and the planes they might need, and to um, to understand the FEC, uh, Federal Election Committee uh, regulations. You think of that. Um, <laughs> it would have. Yeah, the, the different demands they have when they you know add a vice president, what they may need, uh, all hmm. the surrogates. Um, the press when they fly on the plane, each of those people gets billed, and so um, you know that's that's where we focused. Um, is we didn't want to be everything to everybody. We just wanted to choose this one niche and hit that one out of the ballpark yeah. and become more knowledgeable and better than anybody else in 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 the world at being a political candidate's charter answer. And so that's what we set out to do. And I, uh, we've been, I feel successful at doing that. That's awesome. And that's so pretty much every major campaign since 99, it sounds like on a national level. We've had a, yeah, we've been part of. So this is interesting this year. Obviously a lot of things are, were different. Um, you've got a candidate with their own aircraft at some point. How does that change up or throw a wrench in the works for you, or did it just kind of remove a piece of it? Uh, yeah, so um, you're referring to the Trump campaign. We yeah. were uh, a vendor for them. And so, uh, as many people I'm sure know, Trump has his own 757. They didn't mm-hmm. need us to provide that aircraft. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so that was different. However... Um, Trump doesn't allow press onto his plane, and all those press follow him around. So they still needed an aircraft. Almost the same size requirement, I'm sure, as a normal campaign, right? Because yeah, they're removing a few people. Correct. And, and so, yeah, he had a Boeing 737-400. It's the plane we 
had lined up for him uh, with Wi-Fi, as you might. Very uh, nice. No, uh, and it was uh, executive seating throughout, not your normal Southwest Airlines yeah. plane. This was think domestic first class throughout the aircraft. No, and, and I think I've, I've have a few years in in flying type things, so I understand this, but some people may not. Uh, interiors of aircrafts are generally fairly reconfigurable, aren't they? Uh, they they are, but some airlines are are more adept at it than others. Okay. Um, if not to get too far into the weeds, but if you can imagine all of the engineering that goes into, <laughs> just say you want to take out a row of seats and, and move and move, yeah. you know, the rest. Um, a little bit to give everybody a little more legroom. Well, well you're changing there's, weight and balance. Yeah, you're changing you're weight everything. and balance. You're changing uh, all of the uh, safety cards now need to be reprinted. <laughs> all of the overhead um, buttons uh-huh. and may not line up, right? They yeah, they wouldn't line up, so those all have to oh, be geez. spaced out differently. So I mean, it's it is involved, and so depending on the airline, that's that if they've already done that. Um, and, and have that engineering done, it's a piece of cake. If they haven't done that, then, you know, it's a lot of engineering and a lot of... Okay. A lot of... Uh, There's more to it going. than just calling somebody and booking a plane and filling it with gas, obviously. <laughs> uh, for th- for this particular client, yeah, absolutely. Now, you know, luckily for us, they, you know, for on this plane, they didn't have a whole lot of changes to be done um, for, for Trump. Now, in the past, I've had... Um, Oh, I would say John Kerry was probably the most uh, involved with his reconfiguration of an aircraft. And that looks like, the, the model, that looks like a, is that a 67? No, or it's a 50, 757. 57, okay. And, um, the, you know, the one interesting tweak about his plane was in the back where the press sits, there was a, a bar. <laughs> and, um, now, okay. you know, don't think of... Um, Oh, you know, cheers or anything like that. that not <laughs> right. that kind of bar, but it was a bar and, you know, we would use it to set up catering. Yeah. So when people boarded, you know, they, there would be a table there and they could quickly grab stuff. But I mean, this, you can imagine this bar that also has to be engineered. It has to be able to withstand, you know, certain G forces. If there were some sort of um, incident where, you know, the plane stopped all of a sudden. You don't want that flying. Yeah, that needs to be able forward. to, just, yeah, exactly, to stay, <laughs> to stay put. So, um, yeah, that, that was, that was John Kerry. He was, his was probably the most involved. That's interesting. So what, do you guys typically source something like this from, uh, a commercial airline that uh, has an unused aircraft, or are their boutique airlines kind of like you're a boutique brokerage? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, and there has, since I've been doing this, not been a, a major airline to coordinate or provide a plane to a, a campaign. So oh, there's really? no Delta, there's no Southwest, there's no American Airlines. And, you know, somebody may ask, well, you know, they've got a lot of planes. You'd, you'd think they would be good at that. Yeah, but, but, but utilization is so tight right now for them. I imagine they don't have a lot that are sitting idle, do they? Uh, that that may be part of it, but um, more than anything, they've you know the airlines have gotten very efficient at doing what they do, and that's moving from terminal to terminal, and you know highly um, you know it's, it's there's a lot of processes involved in yeah. doing that. 
you throw a campaign into it where you have last minute changes, um, you're not going to terminal to terminal, you're you're flying to these ramp areas and each of those need to have fuels. I mean, it it, it is everything about a campaign is so unique and different uh, and time intensive. It doesn't fit very well with an airline. And not to, not to uh, it doesn't even broach the fact that in many cases, a cam, uh, if you're a Delta Airlines, you may not want to be the Trump airline or the Democratic airline. You exactly. don't want to upset half of your flying base. Right. That by, could be somebody's decision-making process that's in your uh, your core, your wheelhouse right. of your business. Precisely. Well, it, that, that goes a lot to what you said at the, at the beginning, where you guys really want to niche down and specialize, be the best at one thing. And across the business landscape, I think... We've learned that in the last probably 10 years that to scale, a lot of times you've got to niche down. You've got to get smaller and more expert nowadays to really grow and to really do your best business. Yeah. So that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it, it certainly um, works for us. I, I think if, if we had, had tried that, hey, we want to do and be everything to everybody, I, th- I think... Um, we end up being too spread out and a specialist and nothing. Yeah. Um, whereas the way we're positioned now, four years from now, there will be a, a new candidate running for office, probably on the Democratic side. And because of the work we put into this so far and um, in being known as the answer for aircraft charter, Whoever is responsible for finding that candidate, whoever he or she may be, is going to know our name. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it would be unavoidable. So. Well, and I've got to think from, from that standpoint, there are so many things to organize in such a fast time to be able to basically make one call, flip the switch, and, and turn on that part of the campaign is, is a good thing for them, efficiency uh, uh, Oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I mean the 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 lessons we've learned over you know since '99 are here in house. Whoever they may have scheduling a plane or what have you is you know maybe a scheduling um, guru, but they wouldn't have the experience, nor would they need to, of, of sourcing an aircraft and mm-hmm. finding the right one and. Um, you know, we've been talking about airliners here, but uh, as many of you know, the campaigns often start with small planes and tight budgets. And so, you know, they need to fly from, oh, uh, uh, Laconia, New Hampshire to <laughs> Iowa. Um, and they don't have 50 press on them. And, yeah. Point. And they just need to move the candidate and maybe a few staff members. Well, depending on what airport you're trying to get into, it might mean you need a turboprop, you might need uh, a Learjets, you may need uh, a Citation CJ2, you may need a bigger plane like a Goldstream. So, I mean, these are all things that we know and understand, depending on where they want to go, how soon, how many people, you know, we can find that right plane for them. So that could even be, I mean, that could even extend all the way down to a non-national race as far as moving somebody around a large state for a Senate race, even yeah, if they're not wanting to to bus across Texas, you're you're <laughs> absolutely right. Now, uh, to that point, yes, we've never had a candidate from Rhode Island or Delaware or <laughs> Connecticut need our services. However, California, we've, we've, maybe. we've had I think 
we may have had California. I know we've had Texas. I know yeah. we've had even Virginia. So um, okay. to a lesser degree, yes, yeah. there are some states big enough to where you know you may need a, a plane here and there. But that's that's like um, that's like fill in work for us. I mean, it's <laughs> sure. it's, it's there, and uh, we're happy to have it. And a lot of times, those people, those candidates who start off small, you know, end up bigger places. So you know, mm-hmm. we're we're happy to make those connections. Good early relationship building there. So. Yeah. Okay, so just what's the biggest hurdle whenever somebody calls and says, okay, we're, we're going big, you know, the primaries are through and we didn't expect to, or surprise, we're going to be a, a big candidate. What's the first big hurdle there? Is it just finding an aircraft? Is it making changes? Do they all paint them with their name on them? Uh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, after the primaries are done, um, you know, up until that point, a candidate may have an idea, Hey, I think I'm the one, but, uh, since I don't know yet, I want to you know hedge my bet a little bit, and so traditionally they wait until after the primaries are done and they've been nominated to get that final plan. Um, but once once that happens and you have the convention, uh, that's a big deal when they when they leave Cleveland or the Philadelphia or wherever the next convention is going to be, mm-hmm. they leave with a lot of press, and so you know oftentimes that's where. They want they want their play, and there are a lot of people looking. It's time at to look them. big. It is it is time to look big. You're absolutely I mean, perception's correct. Perception's a big deal. Yeah, oh, definitely. So you know that's often when they want their painted plane and decaled and everything else. So um, yeah, finding uh, finding for us finding the right plane is. Um, it's a bit of a hurdle. I mean, you, you, we're, we're trying to match up a lot of different things. They they don't want to pay too much for the plane. Obviously, sure. that, you know, costs are, are a factor. Um, however, I'll, I'll say that with the way campaigns are nowadays, <laughs> most of them at that point have they have enough money to do what they want to do. So yeah. it's they don't want to throw they don't want to piss money away. But um, but then again, they they have they know what they want and they have enough money to get that. Well and. Being on location is such a big part of it now that you know I would doubt they're going to skimp on the travel. You know. Yeah, uh, no, you're, yeah, uh, being on location is paramount. But to my point, if there's um, in many cases like an airline that's offering a whale of a deal, but it's not the right configuration and it only has three hours range instead of five hours range, I mean that's not something the campaign is likely to. They're they're in many cases, not going to make that deal. Yeah, uh, they don't. They don't need to. Uh, so um, for us, you know, we're trying to find that airline who has been established, has crews, uh, understands where this is headed, and so I mean, in that final week, you need crews all over the place, and so if you've got the wrong vendor, the wrong, you know, you hooked up with the wrong airline on that, uh, there are a lot of ways that that at the most crucial time doesn't go right. And so that's what we've always prided ourselves on is, um, you know, we, we may not be the least expensive answer, but we're going to bring you a solid airline, a solid operator. And, uh, so what happens when something breaks in the last month or two weeks, you know, airplanes can be finicky beasts sometimes. Uh, yeah, well, um, you know, as it, as it happens, we, uh, 
we did not have the uh, the contract for the Pence plane, but you may recall Pence's plane had a crash landing there in LaGuardia. Oh, that's right. It did. It, yeah. It and the, so uh, while that was not our headache, and it was with an airline that we you know, would have advised them to stay away <laughs> from, um, that, you know, that plane, when it crashed, you know, it had Pence... Trump Pence logoing all over it, and now all of a sudden it's down and it's not coming out anytime soon. Um, so you know they uh, ended up with a plane that wasn't decal. I mean there was just no time for that. Um, on the the instances where we've had aircraft problems, um, it, it's been rare. Um, you know we usually when we go into a, a longer term contract like that we'll. We'll do all of the um, longer-term maintenance beforehand, so there's sure. you know, everything is tip-top ready to go. Uh, that being said, I mean these are planes and they're complicated and, and things still break. Um, that uh, should something happen, that between the solid airline we've got and our own co- uh, connections, when that happens, that we've got another plane that. We'll be there as quickly as possible. Now, that may be four to six hours from now. I mean, it takes time to get a crew called out, a plane Absolutely. up in the air, move to where your plane's problem is and, and going. But um, so that's that's what we do. I mean, it, this job is difficult in, in, in a number of ways. But I think where we really shine is when there are problems or issues, we've got we have, you know, all of the answers available, whether that's at. 10 a.m. or 10 p.m., we're on it. And Just ready to start putting it in place. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so what what is typical? In, I, I would assume that things are relatively planned in the early months, you know, after the conventions. But in that last, I don't know, what what's their red zone, six weeks or something before the actual election when they're really watching polls? Where they Are they changing things on you every day or weekly or what? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so each um, campaign has a different way of doing their schedule. The way we were getting information was, uh, at least on this last one, was kind of raw information. Hey, there's a rally in Des Moines earlier in the day and Grand Rapids later in the day, and then we want to go to New Hampshire. Uh, and that would be mapped out for the week. But then you get into it, and you know the, the candidate may say, you know what, um, I want to add this stop in here. Or <laughs> maybe something big has happened in the world and they want to, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's so big that being out campaigning is not the right move. And so they're going to you know, shut down for a while. So, I mean, those last minute changes do happen. It's not all the time, but um, like we were talking earlier, uh, it, it, a lot of it just depends on how the candidate feels they're doing in those final couple of weeks and if if a candidate feels like they're behind mm-hmm. they're always in search of that event that thing that may change things right and so that swing state yeah they have to be like so they have to be alert to to do something different and so you know we're alert with them but on the other hand if you're a candidate and you feel like you're ahead you're more into let's you know it's a more of a prevent defense. Work the plan. Yeah, let's. We've got a plan. We're uh, we're on a trajectory that we feel is going to deliver a win. So you know, last minute changes are not 
helpful to us. So let's. So know. that's interesting. That gives you guys a little bit of insight into how the campaigns each are feeling about the process that other people don't. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's kind of a neat insider's view. It, it is a, a neat perspective to see if history unfold. On, I mean, you end up. We we always um, you know value our our clients' privacy and and um, sure. but. Uh, yeah, occasionally we'll end up with some information like, you know, some hidden reason why we're doing this stop or you know, what have you. Um, you know, maybe like in 08, you know, there were some uh, secret flights, not secret, but I mean, they weren't uh, publicized that they were trying to meet with certain people to get an endorsement from somebody right. important uh, and that sort of thing. And so, you know, you might send somebody... Uh, I say see here, but it, not not in a classified way. Send somebody to try to win that endorsement that you don't want the whole world to know you. In case training. they say no. In case, yes, exactly. <laughs> in case they say no. That's pretty cool, man. Well, I, I just love the fact that this is something that, you know, you guys started, your dad started here in Kansas City. They've kept it here and out of the heart of the country, out of our great place. It's just a huge part of the, of the process of what's going down. So that's really neat. Now, you obviously grew up here uh, well, a lot of time, right? I uh, I was born out in California. Okay. And uh, we, let's see, I lived out there until sixth grade. Spent about a half year in Houston. Uh, and then we moved to New Mexico. And I graduated from New, Mex- New Mexico State. Okay. And um, from there, a little time in Virginia, but I moved out here in '98. Okay, so, so ran around a bit before getting yeah. getting to a good home. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now, as you alluded to, my, my my parents came from this area, so okay, it was cool. always a place we we came back to you for you very know, nice holidays man. and such. Well, and on a, on a side of things, uh, Jonathan, I know folks that know you, you're kind of a photographer too. Uh, a little bit on the side, and you take some amazing pictures of our local area. So I always want to know, to tell people, where can they go to see some of your stuff, man? Because I absolutely love some of the cityscapes you've shot from like over at Call Point. And I know you get out in the Flint Hills quite a bit, don't you? I do. It's one of your favorite places to shoot. Yeah. Flint Hills, if, if you have the ability to go take a day trip out to Flint Hills, uh, it's maybe an hour and a half, two hours west of Kansas City. Definitely recommend going to do that. And almost any time of year. But, I mean, spring is fantastic. Fall is great. I mean, winter, I don't know if the colors are going to be quite there for you. But but even in the winter time, I've had a great time. Different landscape, for sure. Oh, absolutely. So, um, so in, in terms of, like, where are my favorite places to go shoot? Yeah, I'm just curious. You know, where do you like to shoot around here? And where online can folks go to see your stuff, man? Because it's really cool. Yeah, so I have a Facebook page. You can go to Jonathan Tazler Photography. Okay. Uh, look, look that up. Um, I've got photos uh, online at tazler.smugmug.com as well. That's T-A-S-L-E-R dot smugmug.com. Cool. Um, and that, I've got prints available there. Uh, and then uh, if you like to go see things that are printed and ready to go, um, I also have some photography up at the Northland Exposure Artist Gallery, uh, now located on Weston, Missouri. 
Oh, okay. You guys were in downtown Parkville, right? We so were. you're kind of in the, the walking space of Weston? Yeah, we, we recently moved. Uh, I wasn't part of that decision, but yeah, we, we made a move from Parkville up to Weston, which um, that's a great little town, uh, a nice little Main Street area. That's awesome, man. Well, that kind of leads me into a part that I like to do with everybody a little bit. And this could be anything. This could be a restaurant, a, a park, a bar, a, a location. But I always want to know what you would consider your hidden gems around here in Kansas City. Things that maybe maybe everybody knows about, maybe that you think everybody should know about. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. Well, <clears throat> in my uh, experience of, of learning photography, and, and keep in mind, I've only been doing this for about three years now. Okay. Um, I, I set out to find... Um, you know, neat places to go photograph. And it started out very locally around my house in the pond behind the cat. The cat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, um, but soon I, I ran out of those places right around my house. And so I branched out. So I feel like I've seen a lot of what the region has to cool. offer. So, um, I would say your hidden gems, uh, English landing park. If, if you haven't been there, you absolutely need to go see it. It's one of the top three parks in all of Kansas City. Um, Wyandotte County Lake Park is a fantastic place to go drive around. It's it's an older park lake that I think um, is probably not thought of too often. It but get, I think it gets forgotten. I think you're right. It is beautiful out there. Yeah, especially you know this time of year with the with the uh, leaves turning and everything i've i've had uh, a couple of my best shots i would say have come from wyandotte county lake park um further down south there's the um overland park arboretum and that's uh a, a uh, park I mean, you, you pay to go into it but i mean they have all these gardeners who are keeping this place in tip-top shape um, if you're looking for you know, something to go see and kill a, a couple hours, I highly recommend cool. going to see that. So there's, there's three places off the bat that, that I love. We're on top of the Flint Hills. And, um, I, uh, you know, I, but for me, um, I like getting out and, and seeing new places and you know, getting online. Uh, maybe somebody will post a photo that will uh, jog my memory or you know, I want to go see it. Art. I'll give you one more. Arvonia, Kansas, uh, has this fantastic um, schoolhouse that uh, it's an older Welsh. It's a Welsh community, and they've taken the schoolhouse that was run down. They fixed it up. They painted it. They rebricked it. They put new doors in it, and it is um, it's it's the scene for I think my favorite photo. I've got the Milky Way behind it oh, I, I think and you've had that one posted a couple times i have and really yeah cool. it got shared around a lot so um that's not too far from here I, that's about an hour and a half south Excellent. of kansas city it's so. good like a day trip or yeah. something yeah absolutely very cool i didn't know that yeah love it man well those are good tips well man i really appreciate you taking the time today it's it's just so cool to hear about <laughs> you know basically the wheels of the election you know are, are running right here yeah. So it's really neat, man. Uh, thanks for telling us about it. I think people are going to be surprised that that all happens here. I I would agree. It's it's uh, we we often like to be a little under the radar. Sure. You know, we don't 
need to be the uh, the biggest biggest charter company. We we like to do what we do without a whole lot of media interference or what have you. But I'm I'm really happy to have this opportunity to share it with well, you. Well, it's fun, and I, I'm guessing in your industry, it's best. If you don't get a lot of press, because that means bad things are happening. <laughs> right. That's right. In our, in our world, so, you know, the press may be, may be bad news. So cool. we, we try to do what we can, and, and uh, it makes it easy to go home and uh, spend time with the family and, um, and not have all those other distractions that go along with the press. So Very neat, man. Well, thanks again. I hope you have a great day, and I'm sure people are going to enjoy it. All right. Fantastic. I bet you had no idea a local company played such an important role in the craziness of our elections, did you? I really appreciate Jonathan giving us some insight into what they do, and plus some outstanding gems for photography buffs in our area. Hope you take advantage of those. So thanks for joining me again this week. I'd like to ask you a little favor. Share it with a friend sometime. If you happen to have ideas for someone who would be a great guest, let me know. You can always send ideas or feedback to me. Scott at caseygreats.com. Or, of course, you can send a message through Facebook or Twitter. So, thanks again. Have a great week.